Thank you, Lord, for running after us. You hounded us and hounded us and hounded us many times before we ever said yes to you. We thank you for your persistence, for your faithfulness, for your loving kindness towards us, Lord. Oh, how happy we are that we heeded the call. Now we belong to the King of Kings. What better place to be than in the presence of you, the King of Kings. Thank you, Lord, for coming after us, chasing us down until we finally said yes. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the revelation of who Jesus is in our life so that we might know the one and the only true God. We thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you gave your only begotten Son, even while we were yet sinners. Your love and your mercy, your grace is way more than we ever expected or ever could imagine. Thank you, Lord. Father, today I pray that we here, Lord, would acknowledge your holiness as you sit on your throne. We would help you in the process, Lord, of, of bringing your kingdom to this earth. Uh, Father, we thank you for our daily bread that you've given to us. Every day you've been faithful, all the days of our life. Whether we're five minutes old or 500 years old, Lord, you have provided. Thank you, Lord, that, that you forgave us. And thank you, Lord, because you forgave us, we can forgive others. And Lord, thank you that you don't lead us into temptation. We lead ourselves there by lusting after the flesh, the world, and the devil. Lord, thank you that you have provided the deliverance from the enemy and the deliverance from the kingdom of Satan to be able to enter the kingdom of God. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that lives in each of us. Father, let the fire in our hearts burn so brightly, Lord, that those that come around us will just want to be with us so that they too can feel the presence of you, the living God. And they too might catch fire until this earth hears the whole gospel of Jesus. And Lord, that last one can say yes to you. And then you can take us out of this place. We'll be glad to go. If we could, we'd grab a couple sinners and bring them with us. But that's their choice and not ours. So tonight, Lord, I pray that, that as your word goes forth, whether we're in Genesis or not, there's parallels and, and uh, typologies that, that uh, speak of our Savior Jesus. And Lord, tonight, show, show them to us and open our eyes that we might see that you have been redeeming men for centuries by your love and your grace towards us. Tonight, Lord, let us hear what your Holy Spirit says to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. God bless you. Before we go into um, Genesis chapter 19, I'm going to start around the 23rd verse, because that's about where we left off last week. Um, but before we go there, I just want to 
uh, pray. And a, a person or two, well, just one person called me a couple of times. They, you know, that they uh, came down with COVID. Um, they're not part. They come to the men's group. He comes to the men's group once in a while. Hasn't been here in the church service in months. But he's got COVID and asked that we might pray for him, which um, I'd like to do that tonight. I don't want to reveal names because you don't want people's names out there. You know, some people don't mind, other people do. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, he's called me a couple times, very brokenhearted, you know, uh, I guess I'm feeling bad, not, not up to par. So we're going to pray for him tonight. And I won't mention names, but there's other people in this church that have things going on, you know, um, places to go, people to see, you know, they're worried about the COVID too, um, but uh, I'm trying to pull the church out of this fear that we have, you know, um, because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Let's face it. He even told us that. He gave us a spirit of, listen to this, power power what's the power for hey to combat COVID it's one of them love you can love your fellow man that's why we're going to pray for our brother here tonight and a sound mind having common sense that's why the masks are in the back and the and the uh the gloves are in the back and that's why we sterilize the church every Saturday just to um do some common sense thinking you know um so so um, let's, let's, let's open up in prayer, okay? And there's just, um, okay, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you. Jesus, you said there's going to come a day after you're gone that we will ask you nothing. What? Ask you nothing? We do it every day. No, you corrected us and you said, he said, you will ask me nothing, but you will ask the Father in my name. So, Lord, tonight, Father God in heaven, we come in the name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ before your throne. Lord God, we lift up our brother that came down with COVID. And, Lord, there's so many people I'm hearing coming down with this COVID. The devil is trying to scare the church, and, and a lot of us have fallen for it. And, Lord God, I'm not saying it's not a danger. I'm saying, Lord God, that we have a higher power, greater in he is he that's in us than he that's in the world. As I said last week, Lord, the bar right next door here is packed, but the churches are empty. And I don't understand that at all when we have the power of the living God within us. Lord, maybe we need to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit again or be refreshed and renewed. You said, Lord, that, that we should repent and return, that our sins might be blotted out, and times of refreshing would come from the presence of you, the King of Kings. Lord God, we pray tonight, Lord, that your refreshing come to this church and every Christian church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord God, I pray that refreshment comes to us as we, we repent and our sins are blotted out once again. And then we get restored to the fire in our hearts that the, John the Baptist told us. He who comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, Lord. Let the fire come down on us today. 
And Lord, let the fire burn that COVID right out of our systems, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. My brother, Lord God, that called me the last two days and is very concerned, Lord God, and he's got all kind of different symptoms. Lord God, we come against against the devil coming against him in Jesus' name with the fire and in, in, in the name of Jesus by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let the church, Lord, realize and remember that there's more to you than what we could ever imagine. And the church, some of us don't want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit because that's the fire. When, when we're baptized in the Spirit, the devil don't know what to do because he knows that you know that he doesn't have any power. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're mighty through God. They pull down strongholds, they cast down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against you. And it brings into captivity every thought of ours to the obedience of Christ. And that's what we pray for our brother tonight. We rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We, we pray the fire of the living God in this man who is a baptized in the Holy Spirit. Christian Lord would burn out that junk in him. Burn out that COVID. Let it go back to hell where it belongs. In the name of Jesus. I'm sick and tired of this COVID thing, Lord God. When the church can operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe some people will be mad at me at this prayer right now, Lord, but I think it's on target. I really do. Lord, tonight, bless my brother. Bring a healing touch to him. He said he couldn't sleep for the last two or three days. Lord God, and I pray tonight that he has a sweet dreams as he sleeps. And may those dreams bring glory and honor to you. And may he know that you are with him everywhere he goes. So, Lord, tonight we lift him up to you. And there's those in this room and those over the Internet, Lord God, that might be worried about this. And I say to you, look to the Lord Jesus. Call upon him in your day of trouble, and he will answer you, and he will show you great and mighty things which you do not understand. It's time for the church to wake up, and that's what I've been preaching the last several Sundays, about four, five Sundays in a row, Lord God. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time to get out of our rest and relaxation. It's time for us to move and march forward in the name of Jesus Christ and and repossess the kingdom of of the kingdoms that have been taken from the church, Lord God, especially in America, Lord God. So, Father, we put this brother of ours before you. I put everyone in this church tonight before you, everyone that's listening over the Internet and everyone that will be listening to it down the road on the Internet. Lord God, I pray for each and every one of them. I speak against COVID in Jesus Christ's name. I curse it in Jesus' name. I command the fire to burn it out. And Lord, and I send those demons that are behind it to the pit of hell, to the bottomless pit where they belong. Lord God, in Jesus' name. Lord God, it's time for us to be valiant soldiers once again. It's time for us to put on the full armor of God and keep it on. It's time for us to take the sword of the spirit and the spirit and the shield of faith and stick the devil right in his heart and crucify or kill him as he tries to kill others. He can't kill others. The, the, the people think that the devil can kill you. Jesus has the keys to hell and death. It's written right in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, 18. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. I was dead and I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys to hell and death. 
Lord God, none of us are going anywhere until you're done with us because we're saints of the Most High God that have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Lord God, I pray for everyone in this room, Father God, and everybody over the Internet and everybody that will be listening, that they too would want the baptism of the Holy Spirit and be lit up with fire of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that would burn all that junk out. Fire is a purifier. And, Father, we can purify our inner man. We can purify ourselves of sickness, infections, and diseases because you, the fire of the Holy Spirit, lives within us. So, Father, each and every one of us pray tonight that you would use the fire of your Holy Spirit and burn the junk out of us, Lord. And let the dross come to the top and let us shovel it into the, into the pit where it belongs, Lord God. And clean our lives up in the name of Jesus. Father, every one of us here tonight want to want to give ourselves completely over to you lord we might have slipped back a little but tonight we're coming back to you tonight we're going to asking that you would revive our heart tonight we're asking like david if we need a new heart that you would give us a new heart a new heart from scratch lord god one that wants you with all of our hearts desire one that'll chase after you one that would say, just like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, help us tonight, each and every one of us, to be free of, of, the, the, of fear that has encompassed the church. And let us put on the armor and march out with our shield of faith, saying it is written, there, written, there is not a weapon you can steal from us that will prosper. So, Lord, we speak victory tonight. We march in victory, and we repossess the kingdom. And if any devils try to attack us, Lord, on the way home or while we're at home or any day of the we, uh, any minute of the day, every day of our lives until you take us home, Lord, my God, may he be sliced and diced with the sword of your spear, which is the word of God, because he attacked the wrong Christian. Because we know the authority that we have, which is all authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt us. Father, we're going to believe your word over the devil. He can't hurt us because you said that he can't. So we hold you to your word and we know it is reliable and it is true. And we believe it. Lord, thank you. Be with us as we study your word in the holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Sometimes I get carried away. That's a good carried away, though. Right? I think it's time to get carried away. It's time to possess. It's time to, time to put on our combat boots and get out there. It really is. All right. Chapter 19 of Genesis. Remember, we left off that, you know, Abraham saw these three guys coming, and uh, he recognized one of them as the Lord. The other two were angels. And Abraham, you know, did the spiel, you know, because his nephew Lot's in, in Sodom. And he says, well, if there's, if there's 50 righteous, would you destroy the whole city? And he went all the way down to 10. And the Lord said, for the 10, I will not destroy the city. 
But he didn't find ten. The two angels went in. They didn't find ten. They only found four. Okay, so uh, he, they got them out of there. They had to grab them and take them out because they were so tied. Sodom is a picture of the world. And sometimes us Christians, we, like Lot, he, was, he, he, he gravitated towards the world. And sometimes us Christians, that's what we do. Sodom is a picture of the world, the fleshly world. And it's time for us to move out of the world and come into walking with God, walking with the angels. Like the angels had to grab Lot and his daughters and his wife and take them out of the city before God rained fire and brimstone on the city. So that's pretty much um, what we went through last week. And now we're at... We're at um, verse 23 of chapter 19 of Genesis, and let me read it for you, okay? Chapter verse 23. I don't think we read it last week. Then the the sun had risen over the earth when Lot came to Zor. Remember, he didn't want to go into the mountains. He wanted to go to Zor, another city. He he liked people. He was a, a... City folk, I guess you could say. You know, and the sun had risen over the earth when Lot came to Zor. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah fire and brimstone from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew the cities and all the valleys and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife from behind looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Let me read you this. This is by, this is by uh, Pastor Chuck Smith. Um, yeah, Pastor Chuck Smith. Where'd it go? Oh, here it is. Near the site of the plains where Sodom once existed, there is a mountain of salt down there near the site of the ancient city of Sodom that is 700 feet high and five miles long. That's a lot of fire and brimstone. It's impossible for all that salt, you know, to be there from the slow evaporation of the Dead Sea. And you guys know that the Dead Sea is just a salt sea. Nothing lives in it. You could try to drown yourself in the Dead Sea and you'll never drown because the salt just holds you up. You know, um, and, and uh, Sodom and Gomorrah are said to be at the south end of the, of the, um, the Dead Sea. And if you read Ezekiel, I believe it is, you'll find out that when Jesus sets his throne up in Jerusalem, it's going to be a little trickle of water that comes out and draw, you know, flows down into the Dead Sea and splits off into the Mediterranean Sea. And it says that you know, the Dead Sea will spring with life and fishermen will be all over the place. And all the salts will be pushed into the marshes. It's amazing. God's going to say, that's just a picture. You being dead, God will bring you life. Just a picture. See, subtle things you see in the scriptures that just point to our Savior and our God, you know. He's going to bring life. You were dead, 
And now you're alive because you received Christ as your Savior. It's a picture of you. So, but that's a lot of salt. It's impossible for that to happen. You know, impossible. Did you know that the, that the Dead Sea is the lowest part, the lowest sea level, below sea level that there is? You know, of course, the Mariana Trench in the South Pacific is um, seven, about seven miles uh, deep. But I think it's 700 feet below, below sea level is the city of Sodom or the Dead Sea. That's a lot. That's the lowest part on the planet Earth. Okay, now Abraham rose in the morning because he was talking to the angels, or not to the angels, but to the Lord, remember. Abraham wanted to make sure his nephew Lot, his adopted son really, would be uh, okay. Now Abraham rose in the morning and went and to the place where he had stood before the Lord, and he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the land of the valley, and he saw and beheld the smoke of the land ascending like a smoke of a furnace. Thus it came about when he destroyed the cities of, of the valley, and God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, and he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. It wasn't just Sodom and Gomorrah. There were a bunch of other cities. I think even Zor that we see, you know, where Lot said he wanted to go, God even saved that city because Lot wanted to, to go there. But, yeah, we're going to find out he didn't stay in Zor. He went to the mountains. So overall, he obeyed the voice of the Lord. But I think his plead for Zor actually saved that city. Okay, verse 30. Lot went up from Zor and stayed in the mountains. There's what I was just hinting at with his two daughters and with him, for he was afraid to stay in Zor. And I guess all that fire and brimstone said, hey, I don't want to come near this place. So he went up into the mountains. Okay. Um, and he stayed in a cave and he and his two daughters, because his wife was turned to a pillar of salt. Remember, she looked back at the world. You know, if you look back at the world after you become a Christian, that's not a good place to be. It's not a good place to be. You know what James says in uh, chapter chapter 1, I believe it is. No, James chapter 3. When a brethren, my brethren, if anyone among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, someone that looked back at the world, some a backslidden Christian, let him know that he who turns a sinner, God's classifying the Back, the uh, backslider as a sinner, okay? He, he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. We don't want to be a backslider. There's scripture also in the Bible that tells us God's not pleased with the backslider. So if any of you are out there backslidden tonight, you know, it's time to return. As I said in the prayer, it was actually uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent that your sins might be blotted out and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. That was scripture I was quoting to you in that prayer. So if you're backslidden, it's time to return. Repent. Without, without repentance, there is no salvation. We learned that on Sunday so about four weeks ago, and I capitalize on it every week following. There is no salvation without Maybe I might want to add true repentance. 
Okay? Don't say you repent when you really haven't. So it's time to return. Lot's wife is a picture of a, a believer that, that maybe came, you know, walked halfway out of the city, but then turned his back, turned back to the city. One foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. Jesus said in Revelation, talking to one of the churches, he said, I would rather that you be uh, hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. I mean, with force. A vomit is forceful, not spit. Uh, you can, it's kind of forceful too. But vomit, you can't stop it. It's coming out. So he, it's not pleased. It's not good to be a backslider. And Lot's wife is a picture of, of that really for us. Come, let us make our father. Okay, then, then he's with his two daughters. They're staying in a cave. And his two daughters. Then the firstborn says to the younger, because their husbands or their engaged to be husbands didn't come out with, with uh, Lot. I mean, with Lot and his family. They thought that Lot was joking. So they stayed in the city, and therefore they're dead. Okay, so the two l girls, the firstborn says to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come into us or have sexual intercourse with us after the manner of the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and let us lie with him or sleep with him, that we may preserve our family through our fathers. So they made their father drunk with wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he did not know when she lay down and when he rose, she rose up. He's a black-eyed drunk, kids. He, you know, he's black-eyed drunk. He had no idea what was happening. It's going to happen again the next night. On the following day, the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my, with my father. Let us make him a drink, uh, wine, and tonight also, then you go in and lie with him, that we may, have, may preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger rose and lay with him. And he did not know when he lay down or when he arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn son, the firstborn son, and called the name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites. As for the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the sons of Ammon today, to this day. Do you remember those tribes, Moab and Ammon? Do you know that they were thorns inside of Israel all the days of Israel? They were thorns in their side. This was incest going on, but but the Mosaic Law wasn't out yet. Mosaic Law was not given yet. Um, but I think they knew it was wrong um, and what they had done. So here, let's go through that chapter. First of all, Lot enters Zor in the morning. He decides he better not stay there. He's got to get out and go into the mountains. Okay? In the Bible, you think, well, Sodom and Gomorrah, it's a myth. It's just a story. I tell you that everything in the Bible is a truth. It's not a story. David did slew, slay, slew kill Goliath. Okay? Jonah was swallowed by a whale. <laughs> Moses did part the Red Sea. Elisha and Elisha and Joshua did part the, the Jordan River. 
These are truths. God did say the seed of the woman will crush the skull of the, of the serpent. It is truth. It's all truth. It's not stories. So here, Deuteronomy. Moses tells us in Deuteronomy 29 that God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? Isaiah tells us in chapter 13 God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Jeremiah tells us that saw, you know, God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Either these are false prophets or it's truth. Now we got Amos. He says that God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Zephaniah chapter 2, Sodom and Gomorrah were perpetually uh, desolated, he says, because of pride, taunting, arrogance, idolatry. Peter tells us that God turned Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes. Jude tells us that Sodom and Gomorrah was judged by God because of gross immorality of strange flesh. That could even be bestiality. Listen, Luke tells us, actually it's not Luke, it's Luke recording what Jesus said. He said that, it rained, he, that God rained fire and brimstone from heaven on Sodom and Gomorrah. So listen, listen, with that many verifications, it's true. Why did he overthrow Sodom and Gomorrah? Because of the sodomy that was going on. I don't know why people today don't identify sodomy with Sodom. They think it's something to, you know, to, that they should be proud of. They shouldn't be proud of it at all. God says it's an abomination to him. We learned that last week. Sodomy is an abomination to the Lord, along with a whole bunch of other things. Okay, so we got we to gotta realize that this really happened. The Dead Sea is put there for a purpose. And we're going to see it come to life someday. When that pure water that flows from the throne of Almighty God, I think it's Ezekiel 47, that f it turns into, you know, it goes uh, 1,800 um, cubits, and it comes up to your ankles. Then 1,800 more cubits, it comes up to his knees. 1,800 more cubits, up to his waist. And after 1,800 more cubits, it's a, it's a river that you can't touch bottom in. And then it flows into the dead sea and brings life and i think since the dead sea is 700 feet below z below sea level the the pure purifying water that comes from the throne turning into a river is going to just fill that valley all the way up 700 feet so when you go fishing in the dead sea you're going to have to bring about 700 foot worth of line with you because there's going to be fish at that bottom of that sea Listen, the Jordan River is not that runs into the Dead Sea is not salty. It's fresh water. So we're coming into a place on earth where it's just full of, 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 of salt. There's, there's a couple views Christians have of this today. It's a natural explanation that a volcanic eruption you know, of natural gases and sulfur created it. Then there's the supernatural explanation, which we just read in the Bible, that God sent the fire from heaven, sulfur from heaven. Either way, God's responsible. 
God overthrew, verse 25 of chapter 19, those cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, and all the other cities in the plains. Okay? He destroyed those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants, that what grew on the ground all wiped out. And it's difficult to even explain the, the desolation that took place. Uh, remember, Abraham's far away, and he just sees the fire, the smoke from the Sodom and Gomorrah just being taken up in, into heaven, all the fire, and he's wondering, did Lot make it out? Now, this happened about 3,500 years ago. Happened at the southern part of the Red or the Dead Sea. Here's William Albright. I think it's William Albright discovered that there were five oases at the southeast corner of the Dead Sea in 1924. He found also remains of a thriving culture, literally buried by a sudden catastrophe. It's a geographical fact that uh, hey, look at. I said 700 feet below sea level. It's 1,300 feet between sea, be under sea level, below sea level. So now if you go fishing, you better take 1,300 feet worth of line and a little bit more because that fish got some power, and you're going to need another 1,400 feet to wind them in. But the south end of the, de the Dead Sea is only 10 feet deep. It's only 10 feet deep there. Even in Syria in 1964, in the excavation of a city called Elba, tablets were found telling of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. See, this is the truth, church. You know, when your friends kid you because they call you a Jesus freak and they use things like this, you know, they need to look up facts because this is definitely true. It's truth. But his wife looked back what was a direct violation of the command of God. Do not look back. Listen, you were saved. Even Paul and, the, and Paul, the apostle, tells us, once we get saved, don't look back. Press on to the upward call of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Don't look back. If you look back at your former life before Christ, you should be wondering, who was that guy? Because it ain't me. I'm not like that anymore. I was changed. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away and all things become new. Your best friends shouldn't even be able to recognize you. Even mom and dad, mom and dad will say, well, you look the same, but you certainly don't act the same. You're a new person. She became a pillar of salt, encased in salt deposits probably. Or maybe a supernatural transformation. Maybe God just turned her into a pillar of salt. Maybe just salt rained upon her, and then she was killed, of course. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 17, 32 and 33. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. He's actually verifying again Sodom and Gomorrah. 
He's done that on many occasions, the Lord Jesus, which just shows us, you know, that, that all the things you're reading in this Bible is, is true. If God says he, that he's going to forgive your sins, heal your body, and deliver you from the pit, then he's going to do it. He's going to save your soul, he's going to heal your body, and he's going to deliver you from the pit. That's what he says. It's all true. Every word of God is tested. He's a shield that they are those who take refuge in him. Lot's departure, well, let's see. Yeah, Sodom's destruction is a foreshadowing of the coming tribulation. Lot's departure may be pictured as a type of rapture. Even though he wasn't caught up with the word Latin word raptus, he was caught out and went up into the mountains. Okay, it's a picture of, 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 of the rapture. Second Thessalonians 2, 6 through 8 says, And now you know what is restraining that, that may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of the lawless is already at work. Only he who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The restrainer. This is talking about a rapture. The restrainer. Who is the restrainer? It's easy to figure out. What's restraining this world from going to hell in a handbasket? You know what it is? It's the truth of God still in this world. It's the Holy Spirit at operation in your heart and in my heart. It's the Holy Spirit that's in operation. And once the restrainer, which is holding back the forces of darkness, is taken out of this world and us along with it, then all hell is going to break loose down here. And now that you've got a taste of COVID, that is nothing like the tribulation. So if any of you think... You, you know, you don't want to wait till that last moment to receive Christ, and you miss the boat, you're going to be stuck with a whole lot worse than COVID because COVID might have killed a couple million people. I don't know the exact amount right now, but it said that the plagues in Revelation are going to take out one quarter of the earth, one quarter of seven and a half billion people, and then another time, we're going to take out another one-third of the earth. Listen, you haven't seen anything yet, and you don't want to be here when all hell breaks loose and we're raptured out of here and the restrainer is taken out of this world and us with him. And then, then the Holy Spirit's gone. The church is gone. And even the people that get saved during the tribulation, they are not going to be saints. They're not, well, they're not going to be the bride of Christ. They're going to be servants of Christ which we're servants of Christ now. It's a good place to be. But you know what? You can have a step up and get married to him by accepting him as your Savior right here and right now. Because those saved in the tribulation are not the church. Those saved during the tribulations are servants of God, and they will serve him in Jerusalem. And which I said is a great place to be. But you don't want to go through that fire and brimstone of the the rapture not the ra not the rapture but the the tribulation down here on earth so do it now pull up your bootstraps put some courage in your heart and say yes to Jesus with all of your heart 
because time's running out. You're closer to your salvation day, your death day, before you're out of this world than you were yesterday. You're one day closer. Now's the time. Now's the appointed time for salvation. And God tells you, hey, in your troubled times, you called on me and I answered you. Today's the day of salvation. For those of you that haven't received Christ, but you've called on Christ to bail you out, and he did. He says, remember me. Now, come to me. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. And here in verse 22 of chapter 19, here's what the angel said. I cannot do anything until you arrive at Zor or the mountains. You know, Lot was going to be far out of the picture by the time the fire and brimstone. And we know that when the sun rose, Lot was already there. I mean, these angels probably grabbed them, I don't know, in the early hours of the dark morning and grabbed them and took them out of the city. So God isn't going to do anything, you know, when he arrives in this world until he takes us out. It's another picture of the revelation of the of the of the rapture. He isn't going to do anything until we're out of this world, because we even learned this chapter that that Abraham said, "Will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Aren't you the judge of all the earth?" The answer is God's taking us out, kids. You know what? If you're a post-tribber or a, or a a mid-tribber, you're going to be glad you were wrong. I'm going to tell you that. Verse 27, 28, Abraham looks towards Sodom. He sees the smoke ascend. He's probably, who knows, brokenhearted, or or is he sad because Lot was there, or did he know that God was Lot was going to be taken out? I'd say he probably did since he was talking to the Lord. You know, and he knew Lot was a righteous man. It tells us in the scriptures that, the New Testament scriptures, that he was a righteous man. I pointed to the fact last week that I think he possibly was a missionary that maybe got too involved with where he was at, you know. But he still remained righteous. That's my, one of my pictures. Abraham had no investment in Sodom and Gomorrah and he lost nothing. Lot had everything in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he lost everything. And that's what's going to happen to us if we choose the wrong direction in which to go. You who seek to save your life, you'll lose it. And you who lose your life for Jesus' sake will save it. Hey, you're 50 years old. How long do you think you're going to live? Do it now. You might not live tomorrow you don't know when when you're out of here it's time to do it now who cares what your parents your friends are going to say this is god we're talking about almighty god el shaddai don't let the world be your sodom is what i'm trying to say Invest in God's kingdom. Didn't Jesus say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you? Matthew 6, 33. 
Didn't he say invest in God's kingdom? Didn't he say invest in God's work? What did Jesus say God's work was? John 6, 29. This is the work of God. Believe in me. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. You want to do the work of God? You don't have to volunteer at the Salvation Army. I'm glad you do. You're doing it out of the righteousness that's in your heart. But you are, you know what? You know, you're doing it because you believe in Jesus. And as I always said, you can try to do good works and not be saved, but as soon as you get saved, you'll do more works, good works by accident than you ever will by trying because your heart will be in it. Everything you do will be in it. You will be invested in God's work. You can invest in God's church by forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. The church is in disarray right now. Churches don't know what the, whether to open. Pastors don't know whether to preach outside or inside. You know, uh, you know, uh, a friend of ours from New Jersey was here. She told us that her church was 1,000 members, and then it went down to like 700, then 500, then 300, 100, and now, within the last year, they're meeting in a home. That's what COVID did to, this, to the church. It scared the living daylights out of the church. I'm dead set against it. I, I hate that, that, that disease, and I believe there's all kind of demons behind it. I believe it's a demonic in every single way. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to fight it in that way. I'm going to fight it with weapons of warfare that are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. And I'm going to pull down their stronghold in Jesus' name. I'm going to cast down the imaginations that come into your mind in Jesus' name. And I'm going to bring, he's going to bring into every thought of yourselves to the obedience of Christ. And you're going to obey his word and believe it. Some of us might have already had COVID, and so what? Now it's time. God's giving you a second chance. Stand strong on the word of God. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. All his benefits are yea and amen. Who forgives all your sin. You know that he forgave your sin. Who heals all your diseases. We don't so much believe in that. Not every Christian church. Not every Christian believer. When we know that he delivered our life from the pit, the third point, we got one and two, but how about, we got one and three, but how about two? I'll leave that there. I don't need it anymore. Pick it up later. Listen. He forgives our sins. I believe you, Lord Jesus. You heal my diseases. I believe you, Lord Jesus, because by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. By the stripes of Jesus, New Testament, Peter, we were healed. That means it's done already. Jesus did it at the cross and forgives all our sins. I believe he forgives my sins. I believe he delivered me from the pit. We got to grow stronger in faith. But it's not all that's to it. Sometimes if God ain't listening, maybe we have, like I said, unconfessed sin, unforgiveness. We treat our spouses like bunch of dirt, a whole bunch of other things where we, we lust, we, we do all kind of wacky things. So we can't blame it. I'm not saying you don't have enough faith. I'm saying we need to get our lives clean and clear. 
Again, in the application, you can invest in the church. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You can't be encouraged and exhorted by not fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters. You can wear a mask. It's okay. Um, you can invest in God's people by going out, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can fall back in love with Jesus again instead of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. You can fall back in love with Jesus instead of lust and pride and the world and self. Abraham fell in love with God, and he suffered absolutely no loss. Lot tried to play with the world, and he lost everything. His wife, his home, his sons-in-laws. And I would say by his daughter's activity, he even lost them. From being the kind of women that he wanted them to be. Verse 29, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overflow. You know, it's, it's important that Abraham was interceding for Lot. And, and uh, you know, an intercession meant a lot. That's why when we prayed for our brother before the service started tonight, and I prayed for you guys and, and the people over the Internet, you know, there's, there's a lot of power in that, whether you know it or not. There's power in prayer, mighty power in prayer. And verse 19 or 20 through 30 through 38 about his daughters. I read it already. I'll just touch on it. Lot leaves Zor. Zor. He didn't stay in the city, which was God's original plan for him to stay in the mountain. He went up and stayed in a cave. His daughters thought that Sodom was on their whole life. So they didn't think, hey, there are righteous men out there. They put everything, all their stuff. Lot, stock, and barrel in Sodom. And they couldn't see past the forest for the trees. So they decided that, well, they'll, they'll make their, their dad sleep with them, and they'll get pregnant by dad. Carnality. Remember, Abraham did that kind of similar thing with Hagar, jumped into the flesh. They jumped into the flesh wholeheartedly. And obviously, Lot didn't know anything about it. Maybe he was a black-eyed drunk in Sodom. I don't know. Or maybe they just did him in. I just I can't figure that unless he was a black-eyed drunk. He was afraid to dwell, dwell in Zor. So he uh, goes to the mountain. He's impregnated by, you know, his daughters are impregnated by him because he was drunk. You notice, again, we see alcohol connected with disaster. We saw that in Noah. Remember Noah? After, after the boat rested, he got drunk. And he was indisposed, or however you want to say it. We don't know exactly what happened there. But his younger son, Cain, um, Shadrach, well, sh let's see, what were the sons of Noah? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham, you know, uh, saw his father's nakedness. And the reason all this happened and the, and the sin happened was because of alcohol. 
Every time you look in the Bible and you see alcohol is connected with disaster. And here we see it again. We see it again. The Moabites were the enemies of Israel because this was an ancestral union, union as were the Ammonites. Okay? You remember the both both the Moabites and the Ammonites, they worshiped the god Molech. Remember I told you who Molech was? He was the he was the uh, the uh, fire god. And he was the fire god where the people would offer their child sacrifices to Molech. I believe he had a man's body and a, a bull's head, I, I'm right at this point, if I remember right. And his arms were out like that, and they would light that thing up, and he would just get glowing red, and they would sacrifice their babies on those hands. And the Israelites actually did this. They actually entered into that sin of, of uh, child sacrifice. And I showed you how that's connected with the world today. Adultery is the, is the demon of Molech behind, not adultery, but um, what's abortion. Molech is the demon behind abortion. In the Old Testament, the fire was on the outside. In the New Testament, the fire is on the inside because they inject something into the baby and they just blow the baby's brains out to be uncouth about it. It's sickening. And God wanted these nations out of the way. And Joshua was to destroy them. Now the Moabites, you know, were cursed to the 10th generation because when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the Moabites, you know, would attack them. And if you remember right, it was Balaam that was told to curse them. And what happened was, because they did that, they were cursed to the 10th generation. But God doesn't want to curse people. We know there was a woman named Ruth, and she was a Moabitess. And guess what? If you count the generations from when Moses came out of Egypt until Ruth, you will find it's the 10th generation or the 11th generation. And guess what? Ruth ends up marrying Boaz, and Boaz becomes the father of Jesse, and Jesse becomes the father of King David. And we see God couldn't wait to bless these nations. God can't wait to bless us if we act rightly. But these nations were cruel, and God wanted them wiped out. And there were, of course, some you know, that were righteous. And we know Ruth was one of them. Thank God for Ruth. Both nations were thorns in, God, in Israel's side. And both nations were judged by God. You can find that in Amos, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and Isaiah. And that's about all I have to say <laughs> tonight. We didn't get to chapter 20. But we will next week, okay? All right, let's pray. So if any of you out there, first of all, if you find yourself going back to the world, Sodom remembers a picture of the world. If you find yourself heading that way, it's time to repent that your sins might be blotted out and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. That's a promise, Acts 3.19. It's a promise. Do it. And you 
won't be sorry. One fellow said one time, well, how did he say it? He said, give your life to Jesus and you'll never go wrong. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time together, Lord. Thank you for your, your love that we see embedded in this chapter, how you're willing to save the righteous, how you're willing to, to bring the, the unrighteous into the kingdom of God. But Father, tonight, as we go our way, let our hearts look fondly, more deeply, and fall more in love with you as we leave this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all.